What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, your go-to source for all things movies, and I am your host, Movie Mike. I'm just a guy who loves movies, so every single week I bring you this podcast and give you my opinions on movies. You don't always have to agree with them, and that's okay. And today what I'm talking about are the best original songs written for movies, at least according to me. I also asked the question online and pulled some of the songs that you submitted to this topic, so we'll have a big list here. We'll get into a spoiler-free movie review, and in the trailer park, I have two indie movies I want to take a look at that are coming out in theaters this month. Lots of movie talk to get to on this week's episode. Appreciate you being subscribed and listening every single week. If you're not yet, hit that follow button, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. And without any further ado, let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast. One man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. All right, so let's get into it. The best original songs made for movies. And let's lay some ground rules here at the top of the podcast and talk about what went into making this list? Now, I, first of all, am not going to include any Disney songs. I feel like Disney songs are their own category. That's a whole different episode. So you will find no Disney songs on this list today. The other thing, they have to be, like the title says, written for the movie. It can't just be a use of another popular song in a movie. They have to be written for the movie on the movie soundtrack. We're not just looking at use of songs in movies here. The other thing is no instrumentals. So, you know, the Star Wars theme, the Jurassic Park theme, you won't. That's probably also an episode of its own. And then the final deciding factor I did in making this list was one, the impact that the song had when the movie came out. How big was it? The lasting effect of the song. In some cases, maybe some of these songs are now bigger than the movie. But then you also have to consider how good the movie is. So I ranked how good the song is, how good the movie is, and how both have stood the test of time. And that is what has made it onto the top five songs on my list. 
I'll also list out at the end the ones you submitted the most. So let's get into this list. At number five, we're going way, way back to a classic and a song that I just can't deny. One, how good the song is. Two, how much it meant to the movie. And the fact that this song came out so long ago and still has an impact on popular culture. There's just such a big lasting effect of this movie and of this song. So I wanted to put a classic on this list. So at number five, I'm going with Somewhere Over the Rainbow from The Wizard of Oz. I just love the warmth of this song. Like you can hear it in this clip. And the song was written for the movie, which came out in 1939. It was sung by actress Judy Garland, playing her role of Dorothy Gale in the movie. It went on to win an Academy Award for Best Original Song and really just became Julie Garland's original signature song. And the thing about this song, it at one point wasn't meant to make it into the movie. MGM executives actually wanted this song taken out of the movie because they felt it slowed down the pacing of the movie, which just goes to show you that sometimes executives have no idea what they are talking about. But luckily, an associate producer on the movie said, listen, it's not going to hurt the movie. And if you take this song out of the project, then I am leaving. So either the song stays or I go. So the song made it into the movie and... Without a doubt, The Wizard of Oz has stood the test of time as one of the greatest movies ever made. And this is just one of the best original songs. I feel it's an undeniable track and a song that still now makes me happy when I listen to it. Just that warmth of it. Go back to that again. Now, it's not one that I would like throw on a playlist or anything, but when it comes to songs that I feel like are just a big part of a movie and just instantly recognizable, I think of this one. So this one is at number five. Moving on now to number four. I wanted to include a more modern song into this list because a lot of the time when I do this podcast, I like to talk about movies that are happening now, what's going on now. And sometimes when you focus on lists like this, you think about a lot of the stuff from back in the day. But I wanted to include at least one song from the last five years that wasn't shallow, which is one you guys sent in a lot. And I think that song is fine. A Star is Born is a little bit overrated. I think that song is a little bit overrated. So if you're waiting for me to include this one in this list, it's not going to make it, but I will give it an honorable mention here because it almost kind of made the modern category on this list. But I decided to give it to another movie that also came out in 2018, one of my favorite animated movies of all time, my favorite superhero of all time, and it is Sunflower, sung by Post Malone and Sway Lee, and the song is called Sunflower. You're the sunflower, you're the sunflower, every time I'm leaving on you, you don't make it easy, no, wish I could be there for you, give me a reason to- So... Something you need to know about me if you're not familiar with my musical taste, Post Malone is my favorite artist of all time. I've listened to his music from the first time he put out a song on SoundCloud, which is White Iverson, and I'm just the biggest Post Malone fan. I've seen him in concert. And when this song came out, I remember being super excited because he went on Jimmy Fallon and played a small clip of it and announced that it was going to be in the new Spider-Man movie. And it was like 
both of my worlds combining into one. My favorite artist was my favorite superhero in a movie I was very excited to see. But not only that, I loved how instrumental this song was to the movie from Miles Morales singing along to it, it being included actually in the movie. Like, I think that's a big part of it too, is sometimes, you know, they just find some band to write a song and, you know, it's maybe thrown into the credits. But when it's actually played in the movie, and adds value to what's going on, adds value to the character of, you know, Miles singing it in his room. Like, that's a big part of that movie. And then, again, it playing in the credits. I just love when it's more than just a song written for a movie, but it's incorporated throughout. And I feel like really fits the vibe of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. But not only my own personal love for the movie and the artist, the song itself went on to be huge. It was on the Billboard Hot 100 for 33 weeks was Post Malone's biggest streaming song until like Circles came out afterward. So at number four on the list, I'm going with Sunflower from Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Alright, moving on now to number three. Let's go back to the 90s in a movie that came out in 1996. And it's a story about a one-hit wonder band in the 1960s called The Wonders, a.k.a. The O'Neaters. And the song and the movie title is That Thing You Do. Well, I try and try to forget you, girl, but it's just so hard to do. Every time you do that thing you do. I now talk about a song... That one, you listen to it and it makes you happy. That's the first thing. I just love that song, even if it wasn't in that movie. But that entire movie wouldn't have worked if that song wasn't a hit. Like, it's a hard thing to do to have an entire movie that's based on a song that's supposed to be a one-hit wonder. It's supposed to be an instantly catchy song. But if that song's not that good, doesn't meet those requirements, that entire movie wouldn't have worked. And it was written by the bass player from Fountains of Wayne, which you probably know for their song, which they're also kind of a one-hit wonder. Stacy's mom, R.I.P. to Adam, who died last year, actually. And it was kind of a big thing again when... Ever he did pass away, people remembered him not only for Fountains of Wayne, but for writing the song by himself for this movie. And also, much like in the movie, the song went on to have some commercial success. It went on to chart on the Billboard charts. It was also nominated for an Oscar and Golden Globe back in 1996. So I love the story behind the song. I love that this entire movie was carried by this song. And much like Sunflower, which also made the list, this is also a song that I would seek out and actually want to listen to if I was finding some music to stream online. Like everything about this song is my vibe. So at number three, I went with That Thing You Do from That Thing You Do. All right, we're to the top two now. And we have to go for the big ones here. And at number two, it maybe wouldn't have ranked as high if I didn't watch this movie fairly recently. Rewatched it, that is. Just to kind of get an idea of how big this movie was when it came out and how much sometimes hate this movie gets for not being that great of a love story. There's just a lot of things surrounding this movie. But when I heard this song again in this movie, I remembered again how much it was connected to that movie when it came out and still now from the very first opening note of this song you immediately know what it is 
And I'm not a fan of this artist in any way, but I love this song. But I can't deny it. At number two, I'm going with My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion for the movie Titanic. So think about Titanic and think about James Cameron directing this movie, a big epic love story, one of the most cinematic pieces in all of movie history. And when this movie comes out, you need a big song to go with that. And he didn't really want the song. Why? Because he felt it was going to be too commercial, which is ironic to me, knowing that he was making probably what he knew was going to be one of the most profitable movies of all time, spending millions and millions of dollars on making this movie. And he didn't want to use this song because it felt it was too commercial. Now, the composer to this song wrote the song for the movie, and he wrote it specifically for Celine Dion. Celine Dion didn't really want to record the song, but then it was going to go to Linda Ronstadt, who at the time was a bigger star, had a couple of number one hits in the United States. They played it for her, and she agreed to sing it. But then it was Celine Dion's husband slash manager at the time who suggested that she record a demo for this song. And even when the composers of the song told her the significance and how big this song was going to be to the movie, she still didn't want to do it. But she sang the demo anyway, nailed it in one take, and that is actually the version that they ended up using in the movie. So not only is it such a big love song, even even if it wasn't in Titanic, this probably would have been a huge hit for her. But take that, combine it with the movie, combine it with the use of the song in the movie, and then also add in the story of her actually not wanting to do the song that went on to be one of the biggest songs from any movie. And for me, who wouldn't listen to this genre, this type of song, if it wasn't for this movie, it still invokes an emotion out of me. And when I rewatched Titanic, I kind of realized how much work went into making that movie and how it really is a true triumphant piece of cinema. Yes, a big old piece of cinema that hasn't been really done before, given that James Cameron has also done Avatar, which is another overrated movie, I think. But back to the task at hand here. At number two, I'm going with a big old sappy love song, My Heart Will Go On from Titanic. And before we get to the number one song, I have a bunch of honorable mentions. When I asked the question online, these are some of the answers you all submitted. A lot of people love The Greatest Showman. But the thing I found was everybody loves a different song from The Greatest Showman. I myself, not the biggest fan of that movie. I thought some of the songs were okay. But I think the only song that really kind of resonated with me from that movie was A Million Dreams. But I did see a lot of you asking and saying The Greatest Showman. So, honorable mention. Also, going back to the 80s, a bunch of people said the song from The Breakfast Club, from The Simple Minds. And then one that was very close to making the list because of how big of a hit this song was from the movie, and a lot of you agreed, was Lose Yourself by Eminem from 8 Mile. Which I almost put this song in my list. It almost made the top five, but more so for how much of an impact that that song had and how it kind of really took Eminem to a whole new level. And it's still like his most recognizable signature song. 
But honestly, about that song, it does nothing for me. And I like Eminem as a rapper, but I don't like that song. I kind of feel like when I was talking about Titanic, I feel like it's a little bit too commercial for Eminem. And, and 8 Mile is a great movie, but that song just doesn't do it for me. So it almost made the list, but not quite there. And the other song that was really close to getting into the number five spot was Aerosmith, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing from Armageddon. I remember when this movie came out, I was like maybe seven, eight years old. And I thought this was the deepest song ever. I was like, someday I'll feel that way about somebody. Another one I thought almost made the list. Honorable mention here, Men in Black from Will Smith. Great song. And also if you want to go way back, Mrs. Robinson from Simon and Garfunkel from The Graduate. And then one I almost selfishly put on this list because it's one of my favorite movies. And it's not necessarily the best song ever. It's kind of a dumb part of the movie, but I almost put Ninja Rap from Vanilla Ice. From Ninja Turtles, Secret of the Ooze. So those are some honorable mentions here, but let's get to number one. And it's actually the song that inspired this entire episode. And if you don't know, I'm currently in Central America. I've been living here for almost a month now. And the other day we took a drive to get some coffee. And this song actually came on the radio. And I thought it was weird because it was a station that was supposed to kind of be like American hits. And it was a little bit odd to me that this song was included in the playlist. But the more I thought of it, I was like, that song actually works on the radio. Even though it's so tied to a movie, when I heard it, I was like, you know what? This song actually makes me feel good. And it is from Ray Parker Jr. from 1984. And the song and the movie is Ghostbusters. And why I think this is the best original song from a movie, a couple reasons. One, because it's so dang catchy. And when he actually wrote it, he wrote it in a few days. Like from when he started writing it to when it was finished, took a few days. And he was basically inspired by watching TV late at night and he saw a commercial. And what this song ended up being was almost like a commercial jingle for a movie that just really worked. It was so catchy. It was so fun. It completely sounds like an 80s song for the perfect, most iconic 80s movie, I would say. And I just love the story, how it was made. Ray Parker Jr. only had a few days to create the song. He was told it was a movie starring Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. It's a comedy where they play these scientists chasing ghosts. And late one night, he came up with that catchy, Who You Gonna Call? And it was just such a big pop culture song in the 1980s. And now... I mean, I'm hearing it on the radio in Central America. I feel like every time Halloween rolls around, it's on every Halloween playlist. But I think at the core of it, it's just a good song. So I love a good movie theme song. I love the story behind it. And it's just a good song. 
So there you go. That's my list of the top original songs written for movies. If there's one you think I missed, which I feel there's probably some 80s movies I could have mentioned. Everything from Top Gun, Dirty Dancing, Footloose, but I chose not to mention those. That's my list. If there's something else you think I should have included or mentioned, shoot me an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at MikeDestro. That's Mike, D-E-E-S-T-R-O. Or find the links in this episode description. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I want to get into a spoiler-free movie review now. Let's talk about the movie Bruise, which is directed by and starring Halle Berry. She plays an MMA fighter who was the biggest thing in MMA for a while and then completely fell off. A movie that looked interesting to me from the trailer, and upon watching this movie, I had a completely different opinion. But before we get into that, here's just a little bit of that trailer. You know who that is? You ought to. The technique is lacking. I've got five other girls, all stronger, faster, younger. I'm sorry, I just don't see it. You used to be Jackie Justice. Still am. 
Yeah, she still got something. Welcome back. Shout out to my mom. So what the movie is about, Halle Berry plays a character named Jackie Justice, who was basically the biggest thing in UFC. She was 10-0 and then gets into this fight to where she basically crawls out of the ring, causing her to never fight again. And the movie picks up where she is working, cleaning houses, has this dispute with a kid in one of the houses, and then basically at like the end of her luck, kind of down in the dumps at a very low point. And when I first saw the trailer for this movie, I thought it looked pretty interesting and I thought it was going to be a very kind of gritty fighting movie of Rise, The Road to Redemption, all those kinds of things in this movie. And I was a little bit let down. Now, I love a good fighting movie. I love a good rags to riches story. And I would have to say when it comes to fighting movies, when it comes to movies like this, this was not really the movie I was looking for. And it's also kind of Halle Berry's a return for her in a way and also her directing this movie. There was a lot behind it. And what I didn't really love about the movie is it never really felt authentic to me. I thought the dialogue was very cliche and everything about it felt very superficial and just very like, okay, everything's kind of falling into place and this is happening. And when it came to the acting, you know, Halle Berry is the biggest star in this movie. I don't feel like she was at her top level of acting. And it kind of took me out of the movie. And then she has a supporting cast that I felt like didn't really add much to her. It didn't really add much to the entire movie. So just Halle Berry alone, I don't think she was comfortable enough in this role. It almost felt like all the dialogue was written on the script and it was never really brought to life. I just felt like I was watching dialogue and it felt a little bit superficial to me, which I was surprised by because when you start this movie, it starts out very gritty, very rough. There's a fight scene at the very beginning that's very brutal and you know detailed and gruesome that I thought the entire movie was kind of going to focus back on that and have that kind of grit, have that kind of edge that I was looking for in this movie. And it just felt very generic. Now, there were some emotional moments in this movie, and I think where the story kind of adds a little bit more to your typical fighting movie. Is she, but what you find out in this movie that makes it a little bit different than your normal average movie when it comes to just a fighting movie is she finds out that the son she had and walked out on six years ago has lost his father and shows up on her doorstep at the time to where she's trying to get her fighting career back on track. And it kind of, you know, disrails her entire plan. She's now having to take care of her son, but also train while fighting and... She doesn't have a whole lot of money, so she's struggling there. She's in an abusive relationship. There's all these things going on that seem very emotional on paper, but I never really felt that. And not only did I not really feel that emotion, feel those kind of struggles, it didn't really explain or have any kind of like effect of like, okay, this is a hard moment. This is how she gets out of it. Nothing is really addressed in the movie. They just kind of keep the story moving along without addressing the struggles in her life, which I thought was a little bit disappointing. You have a character here who's going through some really tough things in their life and they're trying to depict this in the story, but it never really gets there and you never really get invested in it. And when it comes to the emotional moments in this movie, I did feel them a little bit, but it was only because of this kid and he had to go through something very traumatic and the entire movie the kid doesn't speak and it's him having to kind of bond with you know this person now taking care of him Halle Berry his mom who he doesn't really know at all and she has no support system and she's you know just training trying to be this fighter but I just felt like all the plot lines 
It all happened a little bit too conveniently. The acting wasn't there for me. And just by the trailer alone, you think, man, how could this movie be bad? But watching it, I just was never emotionally invested in it. The story was nothing new. It felt a little bit too Hollywood, like they just cleaned this movie up to kind of hit all the marks, make all the right things without really getting us as viewers invested into this. So if I had to rate this movie, it was nowhere near one of my favorite Halle Berry movies, nowhere near one of the best movies I've seen this year. Also not the worst. Some of the fighting parts were entertaining. I think my favorite character was her son in the movie. I actually felt for him in some scenes that I felt had a little bit of power to them. But overall, the story just wasn't doing it for me. And for a movie that's over two hours long, I felt there was a lot of wasted space. So if I had to rate Bruised on Netflix, I would give it two and a half out of five octagons. Unless Halle Berry is your favorite actress or you're super into UFC and MMA, I don't think this is the movie for you. Probably a lot of other things you can watch on Netflix instead. So when it comes to Bruised, 2.5 out of 5 octagons. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now it's time for the part of the podcast where we take a look at movie trailers coming to theaters very soon. I'll break them down, let you know what I think and why you should or shouldn't see these movies. Let's get into it. It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. So today we are looking at a couple indie movies that I'm excited about. I did this whole post on my Twitter about movies coming out in December, which there's a lot of them. And I feel like I've covered... Almost all the trailers of movies coming out in December from Spider-Man Don't Look Up being the Ricardos, The Matrix 4. And there are a couple indie movies that I wanted to include. And the first one up is called Licorice Pizza. It stars Alana Hyam, who is from the rock band Hyam, which you may be familiar with their song, Want You Back. Just know that I want you back. So this is her making her acting debut which I thought was pretty cool. And it's a movie set in the 1970s in Los Angeles. And what I like about this movie, it kind of feels like a modern take on the 70s to where you know the movie's set in the 70s, it looks like the 70s, but it's not the main thing about the movie. It just seems like a pretty cool coming-of-age story that just happens to take place in the 70s without all the same stereotypes. So I'll get into more about what this movie is about and why I'm excited for it. But first, let's take a listen to the trailer. Do you know who I am? Yeah. Do you know uh, who my girlfriend is? Bob Shizan? Barbra Streisand. Sand. Sand, yeah, like sands, like the ocean, like beaches. Barbra Streisand. Oh, no, like Streisand. Sand. Our roads took us here. She could spit in the eyes of fools. You're not my director. Do you really want to see my boobs? Can I touch them? See tomorrow. So not only do you have Alana Hyam making her acting debut, you also have Sean Penn in this movie. At the very start of that trailer, you heard Bradley Cooper. So what I love about it, it's an indie movie with these big actors kind of taking on a smaller role. And it's from director Paul Thomas Anderson, who also did movies like The Master, Punch Drug Love, Boogie Nights. And it's his first movie in four years. And what the movie is about, there's this 15-year-old boy in the movie played by Cooper Hoffman who meets Alana Hyam's character in the movie. And she is 10 years older than him. So it's a story about them running around Los Angeles in the 70s and falling in love in the San Fernando Valley. So it's an interesting plot. I love the look of this movie. I love the feel of the trailer. I'm really into them casting just people that look like everyday normal people, you know, given that Sean Penn and Bradley Cooper are in the movie. But it feels like a realistic cast. I like seeing normal people in movies. The soundtrack also sounds legit just from hearing a little bit in that trailer. I love a good coming of age movie and I love movies set in Los Angeles, especially in the 70s. 
I'm also a fan of the band Hyam, so I think that adds another level of me wanting to see this movie. And the other two sisters from the band and their actual parents have a role in this movie, so I'm hopeful this would be a pretty good comedy. There was a part of the trailer that actually made me laugh out loud, so I have some hopes there. Bradley Cooper looks ridiculous in this, so I hope that'll be funny. And that's in select theaters now, but it will release widely on December 25th on Christmas, so I'll definitely be catching that over the holiday break. Next up in the trailer park is another indie movie called Red Rocket, and it's from A24, which puts out a bunch of great independent movies. If you're a fan of movies like Lady Bird, Midsummer, Uncut Gems, Eighth Grade, Minari, The Disaster Artist, those are all A24 movies. So they already have kind of an instant fan base built into people who watch their movies, myself included. I'm not a total A24 fanboy, but I'll definitely give a movie a chance if it's an A24 movie, like right out of the gate. And this one seems pretty interesting to me. It stars Simon Rex, who you would probably know from Scary Movie 3 and 4. He played the brother in that. He plays a character named Mikey, who is a washed up adult film star, goes back to his small hometown in Texas, and no one there really gives a crap about him. And here's just a little bit of the trailer from Red Rocket. You said you're never going to step a foot in Texas again. I know, this is unexpected. Oh, nothing with you is unexpected. Your last job is over 17 years ago. That's quite a gap. Well, you know, I've worked almost every day for the last 17 years. I moved back in with my wife last week. No, I'm calling the cops. All right, look, I'm going to be straight with you. I'm an adult film actor. Excuse me? I'm doing this tonight. You're probably going to start a fire. What's your name? So at the end of the trailer right there, it's funny they did that thing again. They had a slowed down pop song. This time it was Bye 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 from NSYNC, which actually one of the biggest expenses for this movie was securing the rights to the song because all five members of NSYNC had to approve its use. And they originally didn't put that into the original budget. They made this whole movie for only a million bucks, which is not bad. And it was also made during the pandemic back in October 2020. And it was all shot in Texas. And the entire crew only had 10 people on it. They didn't rehearse for this movie. And they used a lot of non-actors, which I thought was very interesting. And you can kind of tell from watching the trailer is it looks just like normal everyday people who aren't really trying to be actors. And I really like it when directors do that because I think it adds a very high level of authenticity, especially when you're doing a movie about a small town in Texas, which I am from Texas. I know these small towns in Texas. You can't really cast people who are trained actors to play that specific role. I know people like the Coen brothers who, when they go do movies, they hire locals for that same reason, to get the feeling of the town they're filming in. Movies like No Country for Old Men, they hired locals to play some of those smaller parts in the movie, and it does add that layer of authenticity. So I love that this movie also incorporated that. It's supposed to be this dark, funny kind of human portrait of the quote-unquote American dream hustler lifestyle. And it's kind of cool to see Simon Rex in a movie like this. And that movie actually comes out this week, if you're listening on release day to this podcast, Friday, December 10th. So I will be checking out that movie soon. And that'll wrap it up here for the trailer park. And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park. That'll do it for this week's episode. But before I go, every single week, I give a shout out to one of you guys who listen and send me a tweet at Mike Distro, send me a DM on Instagram, or write me an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com. And actually what I was reposting on my Instagram at the start of last week was, I love it when you take a picture of like your car dashboard, if you're listening like on Apple CarPlay or just like your phone. I love the screenshots of the dashboard. And I just asked people where you're listening from. So I have two Kansas shout outs to give. 
One from Lane listening in Mulvane, Kansas, and also to Leah listening in Wichita, Kansas. There was a Kansas connection there, so double shout out there. And then I also want to shout out to everybody who posted your Spotify wrapped last week and to where this podcast was included in your top five. That really meant a lot to me that you'd spend a good chunk of your listening time listening to this podcast. I've really been able to feel the love from everybody listening to the podcast this year and seeing that really made my day. So appreciate everybody who tagged me in your Instagram story. If I was in your top five, your top three, a special shout out to Matt. What was your top podcast that you listened to this year? Over 1,500 minutes of this podcast is what you listen to. So that's a lot of movie reviews. That's a lot of me going on and on with my dumb opinions on movies. So appreciate that. Appreciate everybody for listening to this podcast. Next week, since it is December, I'm talking about Christmas movies. I will give my Mount Rushmore of Christmas movies. I'm working on that list now. I'll say it right now. I'm probably going to make a lot of people mad on that list. And then the week after that will be Spider-Man No Way Home Week. And I've also been re-watching every single Spider-Man movie that's ever come out. At the moment, I'm about to start The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and I'm moving on to the Tom Holland movie, so I'm gonna give my new re-ranked list of every single Spider-Man movie, and then a review of Spider-Man No Way Home. So all that to look forward to coming up on the podcast, but until next time, later. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs, if you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.